Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Dawn Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly great joy. I'm continuing the message from last week called Change Your Clothes. So this is part two. As you might have deducted from last week's message, fear can have deadly consequences. Many of the medical issues we are treated for are fear-based. I'm not just talking about mental health. I'm talking about sicknesses and diseases. The spirit of fear is so destructive that if you have that operating in your life, it's time to change your clothes. As I mentioned last week, COVID-19 has had a dramatic impact on people all over the world. Because Dr. Fauci said not to shake hands, one of the oldest forms of sealing a deal, and of course, a way of being introduced to someone, people are afraid to shake my hand. I haven't had anyone refuse but they cautiously extend their hand to me. You may have thought it was silly when I talked about putting on the Holy Ghost snowsuit of peace. You know, but sometimes it takes an image to make a point. In the Garden of Eden, Genesis chapter 3, the cunning serpent sowed a seed of doubt in Eve's heart. When he said this to her, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He used the word indeed, which means truly. Truly has its root in the word truth. When the seed of doubt is sown, often it brings fear. How is that, you might ask? In the context of godly things, we, if we doubt God, we are saying, I fear God is not telling the truth, which is exactly what the serpent desired, that Eve would begin to think, maybe God is lying to us. When Eve tried to clarify by saying we can eat of all the trees, not just the one in the midst of the garden, though, just that one we can't eat from. The serpent then pressured her by saying this to her. Well, you will, you will not surely die. In other words, the implication to her was God lied to you. Somehow, you missed that, Eve. A door to fear can be opened when we begin to doubt God, when we doubt his word. Don't ever allow doubt to creep in and to cause you to doubt God's word. When you slip out of your garment of fear and you slip into your Holy Ghost snowsuit, Remember that we are looking unto Jesus, who is our peace. Not too long ago, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday. The cross represents 
our victory over death, hell, and the grave, but it also represents our salvation, our healing, and being made whole. Isaiah 53, 5 says the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. The severe punishment that I talked about several weeks ago that Jesus took on the cross so that we would have peace with him, no longer being an enemy of the cross, and so that in this chaotic, difficult world, we could have his peace when life's challenges would come to beat us down. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says this, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. That blood shed by Jesus secured our peace, and it restored the harmony and the fellowship that once existed between God and his creation, i.e. in the Garden of Eden. That's why Jesus could say to his disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He was talking about the Comforter, the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is the one who brings us comfort. We don't have to let our heart be troubled if we know Jesus. We have that sweet Holy Spirit living in us, that comforter who brings comfort. If you are struggling with fear, and for goodness sakes, that could be a giant list of fears, but there are common ones such as fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of man, fear of dying, fear of sickness, fear of the unknown, or fear of not having enough. By the way, that's why people hoard. There's even a show about people hoarding, and it's because they have a fear of not having enough. So, besides slipping on your Holy Ghost snowsuit or whatever garment you prefer and snuggling with the Holy Spirit, begin to declare God's Word. Sometimes we must remind ourselves that Jesus is our peace. Isaiah 9, 16 says that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Ephesians 2.14 says, For he himself is our peace. So peace is a person, first and foremost. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, 
having been justified by faith, meaning being made righteous by an act of faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice what the scripture says. This shows us that peace is coming through Jesus. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So peace came by Jesus on that cross. Romans 16.20 says, And the God of peace, again, who is he? He's the God of peace. I'm driving home a point to help you see that Jesus is our peace. Now, intellectually, you may already know that. And probably most of you do. But I'm re-emphasizing to you that the scriptures continue to show us, as I've just mentioned, that Jesus is our peace. He is the God of peace. Romans 16, 20 says, And the God of peace who will crush Satan under our feet shortly, which actually means quickly, speedily, swiftly. Paul is proclaiming the ultimate triumph of Christ and his church over all evil in fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. In the circumstances of life, as at the end of the age, we may expect God's conquest of Satan's workings to be short, sharp, and quick. So then we declare with our mouth, 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. That is a perfect scripture for you to memorize, for you to write down. And I've said this many times before. The best way to kind of get this in you is to take these scriptures that I have mentioned to you, write them down, speak them out, speak them over and over and over until it just gets in you and it becomes part of you. And so 2 Corinthians 2.14 is a wonderful scripture to decree and declare. Now, thanks be to God. I am thanking God who always, not sometimes, not part of the time, but always leads us in triumph in Christ. Now, that's important. That's important to grasp that, that he's always leading us in triumph. Why? Because we are often thinking that we are not triumphing. In fact, many times when fear is really, uh, you know, at its peak and it's really operating in our mind, we're not thinking that God is leading us in triumph. We're actually feeling like we are defeated. We feel that we are, we've lost this battle. Of course, we know where those crazy thoughts come from. They don't come from Christ. So if you memorize this scripture, now thanks be to God who always, and you can just personalize it. 
Now thanks be to God who always leads me in triumph in Christ. Then it becomes yours. And you can decree that and you can declare that. And that then begins to shift and move you out of the thinking realm of, I'm defeated. The devil has beat me again. I've lost this battle. It's not going well. It's not going to work. No, no. Scripture says, and what Scripture says is the reality of the world we live in as Christians. Thanks be to God who always leads me in triumph in Christ. 1 Corinthians 7.15 says, But God has called us to peace. Huh. He's called us to peace. Well, I guess that means he hasn't called us to fear. I'm, I think that means he hasn't called us to be defeated. I don't think he's called us to be overwhelmed and fully uh, just beside ourselves. But God has called us to peace. See, all of hell can be raging against you. I know this. I know it because I've been through it many, many times. Hell has raged against me, and many times I have let hell rage against me because I didn't say, thanks be to God who leads me in triumph in Christ, because I let the enemy overwhelm my thoughts, my thinking, and therefore, I feel defeated. I feel like there's no use. When that happens, hope disappears. We don't have hope. But when you speak that scripture, thanks be to God who leads me in triumph in Christ. You see, hope all of a sudden, boom, hope, just it just jumps up. It just sparks up in your spirit and you just think, okay, okay, God leads me in triumph. I have hope. I don't have to listen to hell raging at me. I don't have to listen to that nonsense because ultimately it is nonsense. When God is, when, excuse me, when the enemy is roaring louder than God in your ears, tell Satan to shut up. Yeah, you have to tell him, shut up. I am not going to listen to you. I'm not listening to your voice. In fact, you tell him this. I don't listen to the voice of a stranger who tries to deceive me as the voice of God. And that's exactly, that's exactly what he does. He did that to Eve in the garden. In other words, he became the voice of God. She believed that cunning serpent. She believed what he was saying. It was as if now he was God speaking, and she had totally forgotten. Well, she didn't forget. She did say, hey, we aren't supposed to eat of any of the trees of the garden. We, we can eat of all the trees in the garden except that one in the middle of the garden. But then he pressured her. So we have to tell him. I don't listen to the voice of a stranger. 
who tries to deceive me as the voice of God. You just tell him, my father, my father in heaven is my shepherd, and I follow his voice because he leads me beside still waters, because he leads me to rest in green pastures, because he leads me in paths of righteousness, not just for my sake, but for his sake. He seats me at the table in the presence of my enemies, and he anoints my head with oil. And he doesn't just anoint my head with oil to cover me with oil, but he anoints me to cover me with his yoke-destroying power. See, that anointing oil, when God sets us, sets us in the presence of his enemies and he anoints our head with oil, he is anointing us with his yoke-destroying power. And then he says, my cup runs over. Oh, goodness, yes. My cup runs over. In other words, he provides more than I need. He provides overflow. He provides abundance. He provides increase right in the presence of my enemies. Hallelujah. That's something to shout about. If you have your Bible, you can turn to 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. I'm going to read these scriptures. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And this is what Peter writes. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, these promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You see, you see what Peter says? I mean, this is powerful. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. I don't know about you, but I can always use grace and peace being multiplied to me. In fact, multiplied to me in the knowledge of God. In other words, in the understanding of God and Jesus, in the understanding of his word. As I study his word, as I read his word, grace and peace are being multiplied to me because I'm in the knowledge, I'm, I'm reading God's word. And his divine power, that Holy Ghost dunamis power, has given to us all things. Think about that. Has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, if hell is raging, fear is raging... That doesn't feel like a whole lot of fun life or godliness. But you've been given the divine dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, that sweet, 
comforter who helps us with obtaining a life and godliness. He's given all those things, all the things to pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. The more we know him, the more we understand those things that pertain to life and godliness. And he called us by glory and virtue. And he, it says, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Now, I just repeated over and over to you, thanks be to God who leads us in triumph in Christ. That's a promise. And Peter is saying that God has given us exceedingly. These promises are not just, well, that's a nice little promise. No, it's an exceedingly great and precious promise that through these promises, we may be partakers of the divine nature. In other words, of Jesus. His nature is divine. Ours isn't. But his nature is. Now, through sanctification, we're trying to obtain that divine nature, right? We're setting ourselves apart so that we can operate in a divine nature. And so uh, this is a powerful set of scriptures. We don't have to lose heart and we don't have to fear. Thank God that the outward man is perishing. Um, I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 16 and 17. And it says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, oh boy, it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So thank God that this outward man is perishing. We want it to perish. And that affliction that you're dealing with, look, no fear. No fear, because this thing is working for us a far more. This affliction is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So keep your heart soft and tender. Colossians 3, 15 says this, And let the peace of God rule in your head. Uh-uh. Let it rule in your heart. That's where your spirit is. Let it rule in your heart, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ control your thoughts and emotions. Proverbs 23, 7, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. See, I talked about the limbic system last week. Well, Proverbs 23, 7 is the limbic system in a nutshell. The mind is connected to the body. As we embrace fear, anxiety, and stress, our body responds 
by releasing hormones, which are harm, harmful to us. So we have to be we have to be cognizant of that scripture. We have to kind of keep that in the back of our mind for as we think, so are we. As we think in our heart, so we will become. So let me conclude with this from last week. I shared Isaiah 66, 12. And that scripture says, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. We want the river of peace flowing, flowing in, flowing in to our heart. We want that peace just flowing just throughout our very, very, we want that peace flowing in our thoughts because as we think, so we will become. So we want that river of peace flowing in our mind, flowing in our thoughts so that we become that peace. Amen? So let me just pray for you. Father, I just thank you for your glorious word. I thank you for those exceedingly precious promises that Peter talks about. And I thank you that you said that peace will be extended to us like a river. And I just thank you for helping each one listening tonight to let peace rule in their heart, let peace also rule in their mind because we want to allow that peace to overshadow us, overwhelm us, and flow in every part of us. And thank you, Lord, for helping each one to continue to embrace the Prince of Peace, the one who came to give us peace with God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope this helped you. You can certainly go to www.pira.today and listen to this podcast again. And you can download the iHeartRadio app, go to Pure Heart Ministries, and listen to this message 24-7 anytime at your convenience. And I would love you to email me at dawn at pureheart.today. And... If you'd like to support this ministry, and I sure hope that you would, you can send a check to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia. That's P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia. And I never want to forget to thank you for praying for this ministry. Prayer is the foundation. Prayer is important. And I do, do, do covet your prayers. And I would, would, would like to hear from you. So please let me know what you think about these messages. Now, next week, it's Change Your Clothes Part 3. I have a new angle. So I look forward to being with you next week. This is Don Noble saying, Shalom, Shalom. Peace be unto you.